You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. They offer just about every battery under the sun, from car and truck batteries to batteries for your trail cameras and rangefinders. Select retail locations even offer cell phone repair and cracked screen repair. Find a local retail location at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. And today we're talking about the Ohio Hunter Lease Program. So the ODNR is working with landowners throughout the state in order to provide access to private lands, uh, sort of as a public resource. Um, the, the private landowners will be compensated, but that's what we're going to get into in this episode, talk about the details of that, how to get more information. Before we get into that, though, I want to talk about our sponsor, Mastin's Deer Sense. So before you know it, it's going to be deer season and you're going to be wanting to use something like deer scent as a tool in the deer stand. So think about Mastin's when you're, when you're getting ready to place those orders, Mastin's sells a great scent product. They got lots of different liquid scents, lots of like combinations of scent glands and things in their liquid scents. They've also got their scented gel crystals, which you can refresh with their liquid scents. They've got scented candles like deer scented candles that you can use in their double scent stacker along with the liquid scents so lots of options i encourage you to check them out it's a, it's a great product we've had good luck with it go to mastinsdeersense.com browse around see what they have to offer check their prices while you're there i think you'll be happy with the prices and uh, if you order from them they'll ship it right to your house right from the website Easy peasy. So check them out, MastinsDeerSense.com. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? So, got a, an interesting topic for uh, for the listeners today. So, everybody's always looking for new places to hunt, and there's of course public land. We just learned about, and I don't know, maybe Jeff, you know how long this has been around for, but we just learned about a, uh, I'll say, a form of public land that will be. Uh, available to people to hunt this fall 
and it's the what they're calling the Ohio Landowner slash Hunter Access Partnership. And I guess to summarize, landowners can enroll in this program that would allow basically public access to their their property to hunt. And in exchange for that, they get compensated. They, they receive some sort of payment price per acre varies depending on the characteristics of the property. But uh, if people enroll in this or if they've already enrolled in this, this will open up. And when I say people, I guess I mean landowners, farmers, people that own land. That will open up more acres for people, you know, more or less as public land or a form of publicly accessible land. I don't know that I want to refer to it as public land, but publicly accessible land to hunt this fall. Did I, Jeff, do you, did I summarize that uh, correctly? Yeah, I would say that that's a pretty accurate summary. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a, a accurate overview. Yeah. So a couple episodes ago, if you guys remember, we talked about leases, leasing land and sort of some of the challenges that come with that and some of the benefits of that. And <clears throat> I had mentioned, you know, like, coming up with a website where landowners could go on and and post their land or something and and basically connecting hunters looking for land with landowners willing to allow people to hunt their land for some sort of compensation and it seems as though (laughs) ohio has already done something to that effect here so, Jeff, I mentioned in the beginning, do you know how, is this the first year for this? As far as I know, this is the first year. Um, the The money for this was set aside in the, in the 2018 Farm Bill, but this is the first year that uh, Ohio is actually participating. Um, you know, it takes some time to get these things actually into action. Right. <clears throat> so, be, I mean, because this was part of the Farm Bill, the 2018 Farm Bill, this is, uh, you know, f- Farm Bill is a federal thing. Each state has some ability to use money in this fashion. Is that your understanding? Yes, each state has the ability to apply for funding. Okay. By my understanding. So, I guess the pressing question is, Jake, are you going to enroll your program, your your <laughs> your property in the program? Um, no, I'm not. <laughs> Um, I don't, I was actually going to ask, uh, Jeff, if he knew that was one of my questions I was going to pose because I only briefly scanned over the information here, but like if there was size requirements for the property, 
or if there's any like anyone can apply and because it says like you said there's a varying amount of reimbursement so i was wondering if there was any if either of you saw any like more information as to that it said the price can vary based on size and characteristics so i didn't know if like who who determines that and i guess what character you know what i mean like is it something a form that's cut and dry like if your property has ag fields it's twenty dollars if you know or is it like completely up to one person's judgment based on an aerial map or you know what i mean like how do they i think it's fairly cut and dry because they also say that uh I, I don't know necessarily about size, but uh, lands that hold, uh, what was it? Forest, grassland, wetland, brushland, um, get preferential treatment. Like they are the first ones that are going to get enrolled in the program. And then if there's money left, um, like people who basically have like ag fields, things like that can uh enroll um and yeah people who have forest land wetland grassland um brushland are the people who are going to get the the higher dollar amounts ag the ag field will be around two dollars an acre where the forest land will be closer to thirty dollars an acre yeah, there's hmm. a fact sheet that they released that uh, basically, like Jeff said, annual payments will be $2 an acre for agricultural lands and $30 per acre for perennial wildlife cl- cover, such as wetlands, grasslands, brushlands, and forest. Huh. And that's, you said annual, right? Yes, annual. So it's annual. not every time someone uses it, it's for the year you enroll your thing and then. Someone could yes. technically be on your property every day, or someone could never be on your property. Correct. Yeah, and there's some there's some stipulations here for, I, I guess, for this, right? There's, they had said in here that it's not just a one season thing, or you're going to say, oh, people can come on my property for this month, or, you know, it's, you're enrolling in the program and in order to be compensated, uh, I guess this fact sheet is saying agreements will be for public access until June 1st, 2022. But there, the, the website has a, a little bit different information. This, it says enrollment contracts are for two to three years with the possibility of extension. So right. you're, you're I signing up this, for a term. Yeah, I believe this first year is, yeah, basically going to be a one year but after that the the contracts will be two to three years okay at least that's from the information i saw that's what was going to happen um because yeah it it shows that the current term um what was that date again june right sometime in june June 1st, 2022. Yeah, was uh, when it ends, but then in the 
original statement they said that they were seeking two to three year contracts. Right, okay. Now, this will continue as long as there's federal funding made available for this. Is that your understanding? Yes. Yes. It so will guess, continue as long as federal funding continues. So I guess the, the next time the farm bill is renegotiated. Uh, I, I think there's been subsequent farm bills since then um already but i yeah probably yeah next time someone wants to really take a an overhaul of it and look at it um might be the next time that money you know that that this could be on the chopping block i guess sure yeah yeah, so it's, uh, you know, it might be a, you know, get while the getting's good type of thing. It may not last forever, but it has the potential to to really open up a lot of land for public access. The, on that fact sheet, they say the goal is to provide public access to over 20,000 acres of private land across the state. And I guess t- to continue on some of the requirements to enroll... Um, they, they say that uh, landowners are required to post and maintain accurate signage according to the, what do we call this acronym, the OLAP, O-L-H-A-P, OLHAP, I don't know, <laughs> the, according to the, to the agreement of the program, maintain or increase current wildlife habitat on enrolled lands and throughout the agreed period, and maintain ownership and control throughout the agreement period. So, few stipulations there. The, the I guess the most interesting one to me is maintain or increase current wildlife habitat on enrolled lands. You know, maintain I guess is, you know, as long as they're not. Uh, right, it's kind of a gray though. I feel like that could. I don't know. I would like that to be more defined, because, like timbering, can be good for wildlife, but. Is that a permitted? Are you maintaining the current habitat? If you're changing it, it's not necessarily hurting uh-huh. it, depending what you're timbering and how you're timbering. Yeah, and I, th- they do say a lot through here. For more in- information, contact 1-800-WILDLIFE or Dave Kohler, and they give his email address, david.kohler at dnr.ohio.gov. Seems like he's kind of the one in charge of the project. Uh, but I, you know, I obviously have no idea, but I would imagine timbering is okay. Turning it into a parking lot or, you know, land that, you, you know, you enrolled in here and I'm going to get paid and then I'm going <laughs> right. to, or, or, oh yeah, this is, this is brushland CRP. I'm going to get the $30 an acre and then I'm going to, I'm going to till it under and, and plant soybeans. Right. Instead of the, you know, which would normally be the $2 an acre ag land price. Right. I mean, I'm sure there's a balance of like, you don't want to make it so restrictive for the landowner to where like, I'm not jumping through all the hoops, right? Like why I'm not going to deal with it. But. I thought it was interesting too, that it doesn't include um, gun hunting deer, firearm deer hunting. 
Yeah. You can't hunt, hunt with a firearm during deer seasons. So that's the main restriction, I guess I'll say, for people accessing the land, right? Like, which is a pretty big one. Um, right. Uh, I don't know why other than maybe from a safety liability, people don't want to be on their property worried about, you know, oh, there's some guy back there with a gun. And for all I know, you know, whatever, he's going to send a bullet through my cornfield and I'm on the other side. He doesn't know, you know, uh, I would imagine there's, there's certainly an argument to be made there for that. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting. I'd I'd like to see what the the reasoning behind it is. It's definitely interesting. Yeah, um, I'm assuming it's a liability thing because I'm again assumption. I don't know all the details, but by enrolling your lands in this, I'm sure you're covered under an insurance policy that the state is carrying on some level, and they don't. They're they don't want to insure people shooting firearms on land they're not familiar with. Would be my guess. <laughs> you know what I mean? You check in at this place at 5:30 in the morning. You don't know how the land lays. You have no idea. And all of a sudden, you're sending bullets that go 200 plus yards and don't know what's beyond what you can see. Yeah, I mean, but they they take that that same risk on every wildlife area no that's true right you know yeah that's true i I don't know and honestly this one this uh you know because for a for a wildlife area you don't need to as a user forfeit you know any sign any you know document saying that you're forfeiting your right to sue Basically, where in order to access these lands, you you do, you know, the agreement to access your forfeiting your your right to sue, basically, you're forfeiting your right to hold anyone else liable for injury. Right. Yeah, that's part of the part of the agreement. And there doesn't. Well, I don't know. I was going to say there there doesn't seem to be a ton of information from the hunter side. I mean, they give some some basic rules here, but to my knowledge, you can't see any land that's been enrolled in the program yet. Um, right. You know, there's not a ton of detail from from that side, other than it'll it says you're going to have to check into the um the the property for access and have a um a free daily olap permit again i'm i'm just going to refer to it as olap that's the ohio landowner hunter access partnership olhap um so and and it says here uh, the the check-in system to obtain OLAP permits will be available from September 1st, 2021 to June 1st, 2022. Well, I guess that goes back, Jeff, to your point about this sort of first-year trial. 
and uh, see how it goes, make changes, updates from there. Right. And I wonder how... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to clarify that you you have to obtain the permit each day that you want to hunt, and you need to obtain the permit the day of the day you want to hunt. Right. Yeah, you, know, you can't just, uh, you know, obtain a permit for, you know, a, a day, a month away. You need to get the permit the day that you want to hunt. And it's valid for that day from uh, 5.30 a.m. to 10 p.m. Are you sure on that part about it having to be, you've got to get the permit the day of? Because the reason I ask is there's a statement here. It says available dates can be accessed using a check-in system starting on September 1st. Right. Uh, but then it also says permits cannot be obtained earlier than 12.01 a.m. The day the, hun the hunter wishes to use the participating yeah, the, property. The property, yeah, okay. My question is, too, now that we're kind of we're talking through it i wonder if there's a limit on users for the day you know what i mean like for example we do a dove hunt out at grandma's house say we didn't know grandma but she put her farm in this program could the whatever six people that we go do a dove hunt with all get a permit or do they cap it at one person two you know i don't know it probably depends on the property size i would imagine but i don't even know that yeah. yeah, it it doesn't state that there is going to be any sort of cap on number of users. Uh, um, but yeah, uh, there there may be a cap. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly seems like they could they would have that ability. You know that right. there's only whatever three spots on this, or you know. But the other interesting or, or or complicating factor to that, to your point, Jake, you know, dove hunt is typically, you know, a group thing. I mean, it doesn't have to be, but a lot of people do a dove hunt or um, duck hunt, right? You know, like that's that's right a group thing a lot of times and potentially different parts of you know you can imagine a, a big property that's got some low-lying swampland or something where or you know i don't know they got a farm pond or a low-lying spot out in a field or you know whatever uh, where it's good goose hunting or something to that effect but then you've got this block of woods over here that's good deer hunting you know, capping it just based on a number of users could limit access that would otherwise not, there wouldn't really be a conflict there or, or right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Cause technically two different groups could hunt it at the same, you know, assuming overlapping legal seasons, obviously, but two different groups could hunt it at the same time and not bother each other. Right. In theory. Yeah, <clears throat> so those kind of details, I guess, you know, more to come. 
we'll just have to see. And and maybe that's some of the things that they're. Uh, well, I'm sure those are some of the the details that they're gonna see what works, what complaints, what kind of input they get this first year, and then tweak things going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I do like the the daily check-in system. Even if they're not capping it, it's I think it'll be pretty nice for landowners if because if they do have a problem, you know, such and such, you know, I had a tree get damaged or I had litter left on this date, like the ODNR can actually determine who was on the property right legally on the property that day you know so it's it's definitely going to be a good tool for the the law enforcement aspect of it yeah i wonder if the i wonder if like hunters and or landowners will be able to see how many people have checked into a property that day or you know plan to hunt a property that day right i mean coming from a landowner point of view i'd want to know if someone is coming out you know what i mean like i want to i'd like to be notified if someone signs up for my property that day because one i'm a hunter so that means there's going to be someone else in the woods or not in the woods so maybe i won't go hunt if someone's going to be in the woods or you know maybe as funny as it sounds if someone signs up for my property one day, maybe that means I need to get in the woods a little earlier so they can push me a deer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's different ways to do that. I'd like to know though, as a landowner, like I don't necessarily need to know who it is. I mean, still, that would be nice, I guess to know, Hey, this person parked in my driveway is that, are they supposed to be there or not? <laughs> right. But yeah, because I, I, as you were saying that, I was thinking, like, I doubt anybody that hunts is going to sign up for this. But I could see a, a scenario where, like, I only gun hunt. I only hunt the week of gun season. Right. I, You know, I don't have time to bow hunt. I'm going to go out during gun season, get my deer, you know, put it in right. the freezer and call it good. The rest of the hunting season, sure. If I can get paid and other people can come hunt, great. Right. Right. Or also, I mean, someone who, you know, only deer hunts or, you know, basically only utilizes their woods. If someone's going to pay me just to, to access my field, you know, go for it. Like, you can absolutely, you know, I can access the field. You know, I don't goose hunt or you know, whatever someone's going to use the field for, dove hunt. So, sure, use it. So, you're... I wonder if... I'm not sure you can sign up parts of your property, though. That's what I was going to ask. Based on that, you're thinking that you'll be able to, like, sign up. I'm going to enroll these 30 acres. I mean, I would guarantee that if they're separate parcels, that you... Um, I mean, that you can enroll this parcel and not that parcel. You know, like, think about our grandparents' farm. I mean, there's multiple parcels there. And 
I, I would almost guarantee that you would be able to enroll just, you know, one parcel, you know, pick and choose which parcels you want to enroll. Right. I want to take a quick break here and talk about our sponsor, Monster Whitetail Grub. So as we start getting closer and closer to deer season, I suspect a lot of you are going to be getting cameras out there surveying what's in the area. So check out Monster Whitetail Grub for those needs. They've got everything you would need from a deer feed standpoint. Great things to get deer in front of your camera. See what you got to work with this fall. So check them out. Go to ohiohuntsman.com sponsors. There you'll find a link on how to get in touch with them. One, you can see what kind of retail locations they have. Maybe there's a retail location near you where you can just stop in and pick some up. Or you can order direct from Monster White Tail Grub. Either way works for me and do what's easiest for you. So, like I said, they've got their signature Monster White Tail Grub feed. They've got flavored corn. They've got straight mineral. So anything you need... Like I said, it's a great tool for getting deer in front of your camera. See what you got to work with this fall. And it's also a great way to get deer in front of your stand. So, again, check them out. Monster Whitetail Grub. You won't be disappointed. You know, I don't know if you would be able to to divide up, you know, one parcel and say, like, oh, you know, they can access this section of it. And, I mean, potentially you could. I mean, because there's some large parcels throughout the state, you know, people own some very large pieces of property that are one parcel and, you know, potentially I, I don't want people accessing, you know, the, the section around my house, but you know, these 300 acres, they absolutely can access. Yeah. That, cause that's that, I mean, you mentioned somebody's house, you could, you know, you could Im- imagine somebody's got a big lake and a, you know, a barn and they run horses or, or something and they've got 10 of their 40 acres are mowed pasture for horses or whatever. It, it's not, it's not a hunting land. You wouldn't, or I guess I wouldn't want money going to, you know, they're going to get another $300 for those 10 acres. If it's, you know, $30 an acre, uh, you know, I, I would, I would, I guess using that logic, it seems like, yeah, they might, they might be able to parcel off chunks. Like, yeah, I'm going to enroll my chunk of woods or something. Cause I, I also, as I'm, as I'm reading through the, uh, you know, the agreement that you're signing or, or agreeing to, I guess, one of the, the things that they stipulate is stay within the OLAP access boundaries unless you have obtained written permission from the appropriate landowner. You could read that as stay off the neighbors, or you could read that as, you know, this is the driveway I want you to access through back here to the, the area where you can park and, you know, inside this wood lot is where you're allowed to be. Right. So maybe they, maybe they, I guess a long way of saying maybe they will have the ability to enroll certain acreage and not other acreage. 
even if it's not a an actual separate parcel on the map. Mm-hmm. And then when you sign up for that parcel, maybe then you get, or or maybe you'll be able to preview it ahead of time. Like, here's the parcel, here's where it's at, and here's the whatever the the chunk of land that you're allowed to be on. Yeah, I mean, I I'm hoping that they're going to have some sort of tool for hunters you know to to show at least a satellite image of like these are where the boundaries are right you know because it sounds like the boundaries are going to be very clearly defined you know like by signage um which is the landowner's responsibility if i read this correctly you know the to yeah. show the boundaries and make sure that those boundaries, the signages are, you know, maintained. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, I would, I would hope that they would have, you know, some sort of tool for, for hunters wanting to access it. Like this, you know, just showing a satellite image of like where the boundary is supposed to be. Cause, uh, it could be hard to, you know, you'd almost have to access it an additional day just to find out where the boundaries are for, you know, the next time you want to hunt it. Yeah. 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 It, uh, it's an, I don't know. It's an interesting, you know, we, we've discussed a, a few questions that we have here, but, I think it could be a good program. Uh, you know, I like the the uh, intent behind it. And if it opens up more land, you know, for people to hunt on, you know, if it works, uh, I think it could be a good opportunity for people. I guess yeah. I'll run through. Go ahead, Jeff. What were you going to add? I, I definitely, I definitely think it's going to be a, a good opportunity um the my only fear with it is that uh it's going to be a uh i don't know what the the exact going to be a thing stone to getting making more land lease land because if i'm a landowner and I'm getting paid $30 an acre for my property, and I sign a two-year contract, well, now everyone knows, you know, hunters know that, hey, this landowner is basically willing to accept cash for people to hunt their land, and I know how much the, the state's paying, so I'll come in and offer more. And, you know, then just becomes, you know, after the two years, then that person's leasing it or, you know, a small group of people is leasing it. And, you know, eventually all the land is being leased. I mean, because the state's not paying top dollar by any means right 
you know, you know, 30 bucks an acre is not by any means top dollar for a, a deer lease, at least. And two bucks an acre is not by any means top dollar for a field lease for uh, for a goose hunt. Yeah, I mean, if you have a good goose field, people will pay, you know, they'll pay that for uh, one day. Oh, right. You know, so for the whole season, you know, it's, I, I could really see it that, I mean, I don't know how many of those are out there where it's a, you know, it's a good goose field and, you know, basically this person's just been itching for hunters to be on it, you know, to, to get these geese off. Right. But people will pay $2 an acre to lease it for, for one day, you know, no problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a that's a valid uh, counter argument to to a program like this, because like you said, it, it basically lays the groundwork for. Right. It gives you a list of people. Like you said, that are, are willing to. Accept cash for hunting access. And it turns from. Publicly accessible lease basically you know we're sort of all leasing this land to small group accessible lease instead of the money coming from the government it's coming from an individual or or like you said a group of individuals that's uh that's a good i mean that's a fair point and i mean there's no there's nothing saying that this is you know the most the state's going to pay, you know, like in the future, it could go up depending on how valuable hunters feel it is, you know, because if you tell all the hunters in the state, hey, your, you know, your license fee is going to go up by five bucks, but we're going to, you know, guarantee you X number of acres, you know, I think, I think hunters might be willing to absorb that cost you know as a as a group thing or you know if hunters find it valuable hunters may push for these landowners to receive more money for their property yeah so, i don't know there was a lot of there was a lot of tears shed over the the recent license price increase well, I mean, yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess so people felt like they weren't getting more for their money, but, but yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the, if we want to kind of go down this rabbit hole a little bit, the I think one of the problems with this recent license increase um, issues was it wasn't explained well to the public and the you know, the, the ODNR kind of in all their statements said, you know, hunters asked for this. And a lot of hunters said, I didn't ask for this because, right. you know, all, all the a lot of the conservation groups, I think all of them actually in the state. Well, I shouldn't say all of them, but, uh, you know, they did ask for this. It was because they understood why the the state needed the money 
you know, the the argument was laid out in front of them. So, but the average hunter who doesn't really belong to a conservation organization or does belong to one, but doesn't really, isn't really active and involved in the, you know, the, the legislation of it, if you will, the lobbying of it. They send their Um, 30, 40 bucks a year, get their sticker or whatever and go on their way. Right. They just, they, they didn't understand what was happening and they were kind of blindsided by it. You know, it was a, a rate increase and it was a, a pretty big jump in, in rates, but it was because prices hadn't increased for, you know, they were way past due for a price increase. Right. Well, and I think so, that might have something to do with it too, is hindsight looking back, I think, Ohio probably would have been better off increasing their rates a little bit every year instead of waiting 30 years and then bumping it way up. Right. You know, instead, if they had just increased it a couple bucks every five years, it wouldn't have, I think it was the size of the increase that people were like, wait a second, what the heck? This doubled. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I guess we'll have to see how this shakes out, and and you know one. So I guess maybe my as I'm sitting here on the fly, kind of trying to think of a a counter argument to your you know one of the you know the sort of con argument that you presented there, Jeff is I could see landowners feeling more comfortable handling this all with the you know the state as sort of an intermediary right the state's putting this program on i know i'm going to get paid there's federal dollars there like you know they've got well and also i mean i think a lot of yes landowners will be more comfortable in this way you know doing it this way because i would assume that you know the ODNR is going to protect these landowners in every way possible. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, if if I say I have a problem, like, hey, someone did XYZ on my property, I think they're gonna take that pretty darn seriously and uh, they're going to try to fix that problem. You know, yeah. hey, someone drove through my field, someone, you know. I don't know, lit a fire, someone cut down a tree, like they're going to take that all pretty seriously. And, you know, because it's, uh, it's land that, you know, they're doing a service, even though they're getting paid, the landowners are doing a service to the ODNR. And I think the ODNR will provide a service back for sure. Yeah. Well, and the, and the, you know, just the public in general, right? I mean, to your point, they don't have to enroll in this program. I mean, like you said, they're, they're, they are being compensated, but they don't have to do any of this. So, you know, I, I would like to think that we all as hunters are going to behave well and follow the rules and, and there'll be no issues, but, uh, you know, 
we live in the real world and I, and unfortunately there will probably be some some issues come up people not following the rules uh, i guess that's a a good opportunity to maybe run through some of these uh some of these rules here so they are i guess things that you're not allowed to do you're not allowed we already covered this one hunt deer with a firearm during any of of ohio's deer gun seasons trap or set any traps cut vegetation trees or firewood so you know i cut vegetation right i would have mean that's that's shooting lanes and things for for tree stands um you're not allowed to use permanent tree stands or place any nails or screw in steps into trees so no hang on stands only climbers basically or you know a, a hang and hunt setup that you're going to put up hunt out of it and tear it down and no screw in steps to get up to that tree stand uh no no target shooting no camping or setting up camp uh no building using setting or lighting a fire so no no fires at all and no operating vehicles outside of the designated parking area so uh, you know the 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 two that i see people potentially uh being most likely to screw up i guess is probably the cutting vegetation or trees and the the screw in steps you know i i think even for for hang and hunt setups i i think there's some people that that just screw in steps and then unscrew them when they when they come down thinking like you know no harm done but uh, according to this that is against the rules right. i guess that's the same I mean, as on public land right 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 yeah it's same on public land and I, that's probably the thing that you see the most on public land people breaking the rules right you know and and driving vehicles where they're not supposed to be Right. Yeah, you see that, you know, not as as much on wildlife areas, um, but state and national forest. You know, you you definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could. I guess I could also. So some of the other, um, I guess, those are things that you're not authorized to do. There's also a list of things that anyone accessing the OLAP properties, you know, these are these are the things that you're agreeing to do. So carry your OLAP permit and exhibit it upon request. So I could see that, you know, people, especially this first year, screwing that up, not, you know, they see this sign because on the on that fact sheet, there's a they have like what looks like a, a sample sign that uh I don't know if they're going to require people to like post on their property when they enroll this, but it's a, you know, an OLAP landowner access partnership. And, and I, you know, potentially I could see people seeing the sign and go, Oh wow, I guess I'm allowed to hunt here. Not, 
not knowing the requirements and they just go hunt or they, they sign up for it the first time and think, okay, now I've got access to it. You know, if, if they, you know, whatever I could see people, maybe especially this first year kind of screwing that one up. You've also, you're also agreeing to have all applicable licenses and stamps for the hunting activity that you're engaging in and exhibit them upon request. Abide by any additional signage posted by the landowner. Be responsible for any property damage they cause, but not limited to fences, buildings, and other structures. So you, by accessing this, you're, you're agreeing to be responsible for any property damage that you that you uh, create, I guess. It's any Any property damage created from you accessing the property. You're agreeing to not litter or leave any trash on the property. Only park motor vehicles in designated areas noted on the OLAP access area maps. Stay within the OLAP access boundaries unless they have obtained written permission from the appropriate landowner. And only those with a valid OLAP permit issued in their name are granted access to the property. Anyone accompanying an OLAP permit holder must also have an OLAP permit issued in their name even if they are not hunting. So that one's kind of important for tracking, recovering a deer, right? Like, oh, hey, I, mm-hmm. you know, I shot a deer. I need help dragging this thing out. You got to have your buddies or whoever sign up for a permit. So I could see that one. Like, hey, man, you know, I shot a deer. Right. I see people maybe not realizing and messing that one up. Like, hey, I, you know, want to come give me a hand with this and, Right. All of a sudden there's three trucks parked there and the landowner's going, what the heck's going on? You know, and, uh, you know, I could see people running into problems with that. Right. So hopefully we can all follow those, those rules and not cause any landowners, any, uh, heartache or headache or, or, you know, any, any, undue stress for this this program and uh hopefully it'll be a good way for for hunters to access land and a good way for landowners to make their land accessible to to the to the public i guess so if you are a landowner the that you know is interested in this and interested in rolling some of your your land um, again, you're going to want to go to the ODNR's website and there's a landowner contact information form on there where they ask for your first and last name, uh, phone number and email address are the required fields, but they all, you know, if you want, you can give your address, zip code, city and county. And I'm assuming then the ODNR will will reach out and start the process of getting your land enrolled in this program, making sure your land is is eligible for the program and things of that nature. So, and then us hunters will have to wait until September first when the permits will start being available. Anything else we should touch on on this one? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, just kind of keep an eye, uh, out because I'm sure more information will be released, you know, here in the 
coming months as to you know from from a hunter standpoint of right you know how what what lands are you know enrolled and how exactly you go about getting the access permits and you know information yeah. like that yeah i i would bet that i mean there there might be an online avenue but i would i would bet they're certainly going to include it in the Huntfish Ohio app possibly on the you know they have that map portion that shows like public hunting areas boat ramps target you know uh shooting ranges and things like that maybe there'll be a layer on there for for olap lands and uh you might be able to find it and access it that way i don't you know that's all speculation i have no idea but i'm i'd be willing to bet there's going to be some sort of a, a a portal or or access to that built into the app that they, they seem to be really leaning on the app uh more and more which i, th- I think is good it, it seems to be a good tool i, I don't I don't have a ton of complaints about the app. I don't, you know, works well for me. So, all right. Well, like Jeff said, stay tuned. And as we learn more about this, we will uh, be sure to pass the information on to you all. Okay. So that's it for this week. Hopefully there was something interesting or helpful in there. Hopefully this is a good program that, that people are able to utilize and, programs run well and it continues for some time to come and isn't just a sort of flash in the pan thing so we'll see time will tell and if you guys do utilize the program this fall either as a landowner or a hunter love to hear about your experiences how it went for you and uh what you think about it so keep that in mind this fall Hit us up if uh, you got an experience you want to tell us about, good, bad, or otherwise, and we'll have you on the podcast to uh, talk about it. So with that, as always, just want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for taking the time to uh, tune in and hear what we have to say each week. It means a lot to us, and I know you could be listening to lots of other things, so I really do appreciate that. So just again, thank you. And as always, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.